like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything School HQ, Julian Phillips, a plus 45 against Alcorn State tonight for the men's basketball team, uh, the best defense in the nation. Everything School HQ, I was on campus, it was electric, the vibes were immaculate. Um, Tennessee basketball, also back. Tennessee baseball, sending out hypes for like 70-something days away. Tennessee's going to the Orange Bowl. Kendon Hooker might go to New York. Everything is coming up, Tennessee Volunteers. Matt Green, how are you? For those of you just tuning in for the first time, this is not a Tennessee Volunteers podcast. I would say Tennessee is trending in the right direction in most athletics, mm-hmm. um, except for that 2022 SEC championship. That mm. went to no, none other than the Georgia Bulldogs. First time since 2017, SEC champs. Always feels good to just win the SEC. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think other conferences really understand what an accomplishment it is just to win the SEC. It just looked, I mean, LSU fans really took over in that second half. You could tell that like there was just so much purple and gold that I don't know what happened. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I will say, turnout didn't look great. I know a lot of people who went, but there were a lot of empty seats for this one. This was like the least interesting sec title game since when for you matt green because like we all knew georgia's winning this football game and like just lsu being like the worst west representative since i don't even know like it this was and i i think we talked about it where i was like this was the least interesting conference championship game unless you're a georgia fan uh on the weekend yeah, I think you got to go back to probably, I want to say Arkansas 20, 2006 against Florida mm. for the last, and even they were probably top 10, I want to say, for the last like SEC West team that like really wasn't playing for anything. Like in, lost in, three in games going team. in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's usually the team in the West is not only favored to win it, but definitely a, a step away from the playoff or the BCS championship, whatever it was. Uh, but yeah, it was. You probably have to go to, back to the Florida, the back-to-back Florida appearances under McIlwain for just really no. Like obviously, Florida was new under McIlwain, so it was like a new team to see at the time. But it's like, what were they ranked? Fifteen to twentieth in both of those games, and, yeah. and and Alabama won them pretty handedly. Like for the most part, there's been some of these games with Georgia uh, under Kirby Smart that they've been like a pretty big underdog when it comes to 2018 versus Bama or 2019 versus LSU, but the scenario still existed that like, this is the number four team. And if they win, they're in the playoff. Even if people didn't really give them that great of a shot, 
to beat the favorite team from the West. But yeah, so it was a, it was a weird situation um, from that perspective. But uh, you'd have to say Georgia pretty much dominated this game for the most part. Like they got they had all the lucky bounces. Well, hold on, let's on, save but... it. Let's save the Georgia. Oh, we'll, oh we'll sorry. Go, jump we'll in, get jump into Georgia high, LSU quickly. Yeah, you're ready to go. You're fired up. But um, it was a fun weekend uh, by and large. Uh, there was a lot of good football. Uh, you're not going to believe this, but TCU played another close football game. Who could have ever foreseen that TCU would play a game close? Um, came very close to LSU covering. Uh, I th- I felt good about that one going into the weekend, and they only missed it by, what, three points uh, there at the end. Um, we had some questionable field goals by Jeff Brom because he may have had the the, the under uh, for Purdue-Michigan, some weird late-game field goal calls there. But uh, by and large, a great college football weekend, uh, Matt Green. What was the, the highlight for you outside of the dogs? How was uh mama green uh hello mama green jake green anything new there any insight in the pod no man nothing new from that perspective but yeah it's always a good weekend to get together with the family and uh watch the dogs win an sc championship but buffalo just, chicken uh, didn't make an appearance <laughs> not this weekend mm. um but yeah just having a whole weekend having friday a couple of conference championships on friday then all day saturday it's a it's a pretty solid weekend I'm not going to lie. I felt really nervous going into the weekend when USC went down because I was like, I wanted to do it and I didn't do it. And then North Texas goes down to UTSA and I was like, oh, crap, this is it. I'm really going to go down. This is where I lose it. I'm really going to go down. But my Toledo Rockets, I think, came up clutch for me uh, this weekend. You backed a team that has not won the ACC since 1980. Mm. That bitch you, sir. Let's give the people what they want. Who won at the end of our season-long picks against the spread and picks overall, sir? So it was a great season. I will say that (laughs) just to start things off. But, yeah, I think both of our uh, upset picks in the conference championship weekend, they kind of canceled each other out. So it's not necessarily too regrettable for either, either of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were both hot takes, you know. You gotta you gotta put one out there every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, but on the weekend, sir, you went five and five overall, three and seven against the spread. Uh, your your fifth losing record against the spread in the last six weeks. You uh you were off to a good start this year, but uh kind of fizzled at mm. the end of the year. But um. Not not gonna mention anything about the Tennessee Volunteers. The, That's enough. Yeah, the, the okay. parallels yeah. there. No, um, but overall, you did hang on. Oh, and and myself, I was six and four overall, and five and five against the spread. So, if you are doing the calculating in your head, as I think you are, you finished one game ahead of me. I knew I did. I and I told my wife. I was like, I think I beat him by one. If my math's correct, I think I beat him by one. And it was it the was. Toledo one where I did the fist pump. The Toledo game, I was like, duh. Like, when I saw them go up 17-7 late, I was like, absolutely. Ohio never won the MAC, not doing it today. Toledo, many are saying the Tennessee of the North. Very much excited <laughs> uh, for my Rockets taking care yeah. of business and giving me the dub. But, yeah, I was 2-0. You were 0-2 on Friday yeah, night. Yeah, I, I, I thought I was it was in good. trouble. Um, but yeah, so I finished 150, 156 on the season overall, one game back from you. Against the spread, however, on the season, I was 80, 71, and 5. 
and that was nine games up on you. You were 71, 80, and five on mm-hmm. the season. So, and then Zeus, like you said, nine and five with his home dog of the week. On Good the year, year for Zeus. Excellent year, without a doubt. He uh, went uh, he went six and six last year. So mm-hmm. uh, it was a huge improvement in that second year. You know, that's uh, that's really where you see the biggest improvement year one to year two. So this would be year three. That's fair, but I don't have the stats for year. I don't have the stats for year three. So, was Zeus doing the home dog? That was it a full segment the whole year? I think it was like kind of a half a half baked mm. thing. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen to a 2020 pod. That whole year was just half baked. Matt it's Green. like uh, <laughs> it's like the Georgia Florida rivalry. You know, you can't even really. They don't even agree. Both sides don't agree what year the. Uh, rivalry actually started so mm. we got the stats back to 2021 so that's that's the official date that's that's all we got mm. uh i like it uh matt green before we get into what actually happened uh over the weekend and we'll get into uh on the wednesday show uh our takeaways on all uh, the coaching carousel i mean we got dion getting the colorado job and being introduced and talking to the team and we'll see what happens there um in the coming days in the portal he already got like a five-star kid from img who's in like the 2025 class who just like tweeted out Dion Sanders or something like that and you're like all right he's gonna do all right like we've said this in the pod Dion was just he was out there for all these programs it's like kids want to play for Dion. it's just don't ever think this just hire Dion sanders um but tcu who said that should hire him they're all right uh sunny dykes has done a really good job so they uh may be okay there too but I don't know. A lot of teams are going to be kicking themselves uh, with Deion Sanders, especially in the the immediate eligibility uh, era of college football. Um, it's just a. I would not be surprised. Colorado going bowling in year one would be very. That's all I'll say on that one. Is I think they're going to be pretty pretty good right away. I agree, but I do kind of. I kind of feel like Dion could have held out for something better than Colorado. Like, yeah, they have some tradition there in the nineties, but. It's, it's been a while since Colorado was relevant at all. I, I feel like an SEC team in the next year or two would have been willing to. I, my prediction, I'm still saying, and I said this two to three years ago, he's the man who replaces Saban. Like, I am 100% dead certain that he is the one who gets the Saban job. <laughs> That's I think bold. it's him. That's you, bold. I mean, think about it. You have to be, and it, it, being the guy who replaces Saban, and also if you want Alabama you have to have an ego, right? Like that's just part of the deal. If you want to be the head coach at Alabama, you have it's like running for president, where everyone who runs for president has a humongous ego. You have to. You have to be some level of narcissist to want to be the president. Like that just comes to the territory. Deion Sanders is one of the ones who would be like in this industry who would just not have a problem following Nick Saban. Like he's totally comfortable in his own skin. He would not get overwhelmed by following uh, the greatest college football coach of all time. I think 99% of coaches would. I think it's a job that most will not want. I uh, I don't know. I think Dion is, he makes the most sense. They do the Aflac commercials together. The recruiting would stay top-notch at Alabama, uh, transitioning from Saban to Dion. I, I'm, look, I, I would not be surprised. Like, that is my pick. It's been my pick for a while. I think Dion makes the most sense as the, the guy that follows. Like, Dabo's not going to do it. Kiffin's absolutely not following Saban. Um, I just, I don't think many are going to want it. And you have to have a unique personality and a very, very strong one. One that's not uh, easily wavering. And uh, Dion checks all the boxes of someone who can actually be the one to follow Nick and not be uh, not be the least bit intimidated. 
Well, that remains to be seen, but we'll see. Mark I it guess down. He, I December guess he 4th. Figured, I guess he figured he needs to get some, needs to get some uh, Power 5 experience uh, that Jackson State isn't necessarily enough. But I, I don't know. I feel like he was creating enough of a buzz that a, a bigger program would have come knocking sooner rather than later. But, you know, it's definitely a step up in the coaching ranks. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see. It's been a long time since Colorado was relevant. I'm thinking, like, what, Bobby Purify? And, and like Chris Brown, that was like mm-hmm. 2001, 2002, the last time Colorado was. And I guess they were they were good a couple years ago, right? Went Mel Tucker had them 10 and 2, right? What did they get to? 9 and 3, 10 and no. 2? Mike McIntyre got them close, too. What did Mike McIntyre get them to? Was that the Mac- McIntyre year? Uh, McIntyre's the one that, yeah, they had like a 10 win season. I That's think, what I thought. Year. Yeah. But I think Mel Tucker was only there for one year, just like one bad season. And were they didn't. bad? They went like nine and three in the Mel Tucker year, eight and four. Um, Am I crazy? I don't think he would. I yeah, I, I don't think so. You can, you can you can look that up. You looking that up? I am looking it up right now. Uh, but, oh, five and seven. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. And then when when was their like last good season? That might take me a second. Hold on. Oh, I thought you were just looking football no, I was reference. At, I was no, at his. Um, yeah, that might take me a second. Not important. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I don't know. Colorado's been a while since they were uh, really relevant. They haven't basically been relevant at all since they joined the Pac-12. So, I don't know. Maybe this is a good move for Dion. But I was a little surprised. 2016. 2016. 2016. Yeah. I was a little surprised when I heard Dion moving to Colorado. I felt like somewhere in, like, southeast, especially, like, Texas, where it feels like he's got, like, a lot of, you know, recruiting ties and, and that sort of thing, a lot of – a lot of roots in Texas. That's why we said TCU last year, but I don't know. Maybe the A&M job opens up here in a year or two, like Texas in three or four years. Like who knows if, if Sark has this thing moving like they want. Um, not, not that Sark's doing a bad job, but that's just what Texas d- seems to do these days is fire their coaches every three or four years. But I don't know. We'll see what happens with Dion. It's, uh, it's definitely – Colorado's going to be talked about more than they've been talked about since – the 90s at this at, with Deion Sanders at the helm so it's it's big for them they also recruit California well and Texas well that's just Deion's bread and butter like a lot of it, it's gonna be flashy fun offenses like it's I mean where does son, Travis Hunter go that's a good question because people just kind of assume that I don't know if he follows him to Colorado I think he can do like if you're gonna leave I don't know my gut I mean, I wonder if FSU reopens. Like, are they okay with that? Does he go back home to Georgia? Uh, please, God, no. Uh, let's hope not. Come on to Athens, Travis Hunter. Play two ways. They won't do we'll, that. We'll figure out a way. We'll figure out a way to get you on the field. They won't do two ways with Travis Hunter. No way. I could see it, man. He's supposed to be special. I haven't seen him play at all at Jackson State. He does do two way stuff at Jackson State, but I'm saying like I don't know if that's feasible at the Power Five level. I don't know if the body can take that. If you're a baller, you're a baller. He's not a big dude. He's a he's not a big dude. Very, very skinny, very shifty. Great player, but I don't know if he's a two way kind of guy in today's era. I don't think you want to do that and risk it when you have as much upside as he does uh, at corner, but. I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell what Travis Hunter does, but it will be interesting to monitor uh, Matt Green. Um, the CFP, it's done. Alabama did not uh, make the college football playoff. And look, we were texting a little bit about this earlier this afternoon, and I don't want to piss TCU fans off because there was a lot of uproar today. There was a lot of back and forth and 
uh, TCU fans getting mad at um, <laughs> Alabama and SEC fans or national media folks. And like, there was a lot of people pointing out that like, it felt like the fix was in uh, where Saban does the interview, talks about, well, uh, he's talking about the Vegas line. If they were uh, put up against TCU now. And my whole thing with that is like, what did you think he was like, he's trying to make the case for his team to be in the playoff. Like that, he doesn't have the signature wins. Like the thing he can point to, which is smart because that is true is Alabama would be favored against TCU. Like, and people rightly pointed out they were favored against Tennessee and they were favored against LSU and they lost both those games. So it's an immediately, uh, dis, uh, proven point, uh, for Saban to make, but he has to say something like if you're going to do the interview, like what is he supposed to do? I don't know why people get mad at this where, Saban gets asked by ESPN to do a spot or whoever it was like what's he gonna say no I'm gonna decline and not push for my team to make the playoff like what uh, this is my last year with Bryce like why would I not do whatever I can to get in the playoff like that's the whole purpose of the Alabama football program is to be in the playoff every single year um I, I don't know I don't know why there was as much uproar about that um, well, I but, mean, when he's Nick Saban, I think everything he says gets a reaction, right? Yes. It's taken as gospel. Like when three years ago he said, you know, great defenses can't beat great offenses anymore. Then every media personality in college football is like, yeah, great defense can't be great offense. That's what Nick Saban said. It's, it has to be true. Mm-hmm. So it's just every time Nick Saban speaks, people listen. And yeah, obviously he's going to be campaigning for his team. And it's just also the hypocrisy of it, of just like, I don't know how long ago was it two years ago where he's just like we need to be worried about player safety we can't be explaining expand the playoffs whatever preserve the regular season and now it's like you know maybe we should consider expansion like yeah i'm sure now that you're not in the top four nick you would uh, like to do that but i, well, I think it's a lot of coaches too look at it it's like the players don't care anymore i think that's part of it is the players don't want to play in bowl games right like these non-important games and i think when you've built the entire sport now around the CFP and every week is it like, who's going to be where, where the rankings going to be. I think his point, And he realizes like Saban's smart about when he knows, like, this is what, I mean, there are so many different things that makes it Nick Saban, the greatest coach of all time. But it's like, one of the things is Saban kind of reminds me of Tywin Lannister when he just knows when he's won a war and he knows when he's lost a war and he knows he, he like, he knew he lost the defense war. So he made the change like he still believes in his heart of hearts that that was the way to go. And that was a better sport. And that was like the sport that he loved and that he fell in love with. But he adapted like he still admitted defeat, but like he's still going to push what he, if he still believes that there's a chance his way could still work. He's going to push it. But once he realizes it's a losing battle, he's going to pivot because he still wants to win national championships that he is driven to win football games that he's talked about it ad nauseum of like, I hate losing way more than I love winning. And the way to do that is to just, I mean, when go to the playoff every year and to have this mindset that like, yeah, I have my beliefs and I have my ideology, but at the end of the day, if the tide is going one way and I'm the last of the Mohicans here, then I'm not going to die on this hill. Like, it's just not worth it. I need to evolve with the sport or I'm going to get left behind. And the sport has moved to a point where, I mean, in 2024, we'll have the 12 team playoff. And who knows what the bowl season looks like? I think that's really his main point of like expand because like everything out like that just gives more opportunities and it's just that's where we're going. So we might as well get there. Like the sport is going offense heavy. We might as well go full air raid. You know what I mean? Like that's just the sense I get from him. 
Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, he's just he's campaigning for his team, and he's yeah. going to say obviously what he's going to say to to help his team. I really just we have to do something about this sport, honestly. With this playoff happening, like Cade McNamara has now committed to to Iowa. He's mm-hmm. in the portal. He's committed to Iowa. Like, is he is he playing for Michigan in the in the playoff? I don't like, think so. No, he's out. No. So just your backup quarterback. I think just he was not out for the year play? anyway. Wasn't Cade already out for the year? I didn't think he was out. I thought he was still healthy as the backup, but I could be mm. wrong. Um, but that's that's my biggest point. People like there's this uh, almost just this doomsday talk around college football of just like you you're not ready for what you're about to see in the portal. Like it's just about November fourteenth. He was out for the season. Okay, it's yeah, like you're just surgery. about to see the most insane portal ever. It's going to be legitimate free agency this off season, and now we're going to add like three weeks of games into that month of of things going on it just it doesn't make any sense at all and december is when all these kids are moving schools and their high schoolers are enrolling all this different stuff and now we're gonna put more games on at, at this time of the year i just i don't think we have any idea what we're doing with this sport right now like it's we have to have a signing day a transfer portal window like all that needs to be in february or january like after the, the season is over like it's we're in this weird situation where because of the early signing day the week after the if you're not in a conference championship the week after the the season is over it's the end of the season but mm-hmm. we still have all these games we're in this weird limbo period and we just have to do something about it and it's just going to be I can't imagine this tran- like this transfers going on while playoffs are three rounds of playoffs are happening. Like I just don't know what's like are, are you going to do you have to wait to put your name in the portal if you're playing in the playoff or something is like is a spot now at the place you were going to transfer is is it going to be not there anymore because you decided to play in the playoff with your team like is is it going to be kind of how coaches are put on in that Oh well, we prefer you would you would it's you oh you want to coach the bowl game well we'd prefer that you become our head coach before that bowl game then they have to choose and and dip on their team like I just feel like we're in such this this crazy like chaotic era like we are not ready and what we just announced this is going to start in 2024 like I don't think we're anyone's ready for this to to happen and what what we have to do about it yeah I mean. What I think is going to happen is you're going to see <sighs> what's happening right now with the portal is not sustainable. Like we made baby step progress, right? Where it's like, you can't just enter the portal at any given time. Like this, the fact that this was not always the case is unbelievable that we're here, that we had to like put two windows in and they didn't start off with windows. That's, that's wild. Um, I've heard different theories on what you could do. Like I still think transferring in conference should be a one-year automatic like if you transfer in the conference um then you should have to sit out a year like there have to be some well, what's sort of logic in that i mean why where, like if you're why should you be penalized going from the sec east to sec west instead of the sec to the acc well think about steen uh the offensive tackle from vanderbilt right like he was really good at vanderbilt and then alabama just plucks him we're like we need an offensive tackle for the year like we're just gonna go and to, to go from the lower program in the conference that's the and, portal well what i'm saying is like you don't want conferences, schools in your own conference to become feeder schools for the bigger fish that can offer bigger NIL deals. Do you get what I'm saying? Like that would just be, that's how you lose a bunch of fan interest very quickly. Where if you have a couple years in a row of your best player on a bad team, like if 
Luther Burden left this year and then Sam Horn left next year and you just have and they all stay in the conference we're like Burden ends up at Tennessee Sam Horn ends up at like Florida or something and you're like what are we doing here like any like why would we get our hopes up and like want to invest at all in any of these guys when if they do get good enough to leave they're going to leave and then we just have to start this whole process over again. Like we have to kind of root against our guys becoming superstars because then they might leave. Cause you have the Jordan Addison factor, right? Where Jordan Addison was a superstar at Pitt and just left. Like that was just it. Like they Pitt didn't do anything wrong. They just didn't like allegedly, like they just couldn't match up with NIL. Like that's just part of it. And he's left. And I'm never like going against the kids. Cause like they're going what's best for them. That's how it works. Like do what you got to do. What I am saying is that's why you have people in power to be like, hey, like <laughs> this is bad for the long term prospect of the sport. Like you will lose so much fan interest. Maybe you change it to like if you're not if you go from one power five or you get like a one time waiver um, to transfer without penalty. And that's it. I mean, they're getting so much out of this with the immediate eligibility and fighting the waivers because like justin powell was immediately uh eligible at washington state former tennessee basketball player he transferred from auburn and he's playing right away so he's played on a different college team the last three years in basketball and you're like i i just i don't think that's sustainable for the health of the sport like i think you have to have some sort of guardrails back and fold and i understand that it's gonna be really hard to do that you have to find something to put this up because you cannot have this much movement every single year or players entering the portal who are doing well at these schools and then just threatening <laughs> not them personally but people potentially in their circle being like hey this school over here is offering this so we're going to put our name in the portal to get our value check it out every single that's just exhausting can you imagine like how many coaches are going to be left that are going to want to put up with that like every year we have to do this and like resell our program and resell um what we're doing and just talk all of our star athletes or even disgruntled kids uh, back into what we're doing every single year. Like that's not, that's not what even NFL teams do. Like you have a contract where it's like, you yeah. still have a couple years commitment before you have to have these tough conversations. Like it cannot be a year over year thing. Like it cannot be unrestricted free agency for everybody year over year. It just can't. No, I, I agree with all that. Are you familiar with uh, the Bundesliga? Uh, mm. The German, the German league. I mean, I know what it is, uh, but I, I don't watch league. it. Yeah. Um, Bayern Munich is the the juggernaut in mm. in the Bundesliga, and Bor Borussia Dortmund is another big time club, but not, doesn't have nearly the money uh, that Bayern Munich has. And I'll never forget several years ago, they're they're play they're about to play each other in the Champions League final, like the European mm. champion, both of these German teams. And right before the match, it's announced that Mario Götze. Uh, Dortmund's like best player is going to sign with Bayern Munich the <laughs> next season or just like it's like the week of the Super Bowl just mm. like oh yeah and Brady's going to be on the other team next year and it's mm. just like wait, wait what ha what's that it's just so yeah in terms of the competitive balance like we, we're gonna have to do something but I think the biggest reason it's not sustainable is from the high school perspective mm. like you just you're hearing all these different things in the high school recruiting trail of just like teams aren't offering high school high school players like they once were because they're going to go to the portal instead they want to get a guy who's been in college for two or three years instead of a high school kid that may or may not pan out and it's like depending on where you are as a program like that that's the better route for you and then you also are seeing just the, the raw numbers i saw a graphic the other day 
like the last three years combined of the of the transfer portal, I think about 35 guys or 35% of players from power five schools that have entered the portal have actually landed at another school. Like you're hmm. just seeing a lot of guys enter the portal and there's not actually another school that wants to take you. So yeah, I that's you kind of have to protect the kids from themselves at some point, but I don't know. It's it's definitely a, a slippery slope. Like I'm not really sure what what they can do about it to put the put the toothpaste back in the tube, you know. And like I said, not blaming the kids. They should do what they need to do. Go get paid. Go do whatever you got to do. Find a new situation. Like we all job hop. We all I transferred universities. <laughs> not the same as Travis Hunter bouncing around, but like ultimately, you want to be able to do what you want to do, and it's not on the kid, especially when coaches are able to do this. Um, willy-nilly and they can do this ahead of conference championship games bcs games whatever like (laughs) it there's no penalty for them to bounce around and as long as they can do it i mean that's how it should be but i'm saying as like someone who loves college football and is worried about the future of the sport it's like i mean there is a tipping point where and like you said maybe the difference is like we'll eventually reach a tipping point where so many kids don't end up getting picked up that the portal is not as big as it used to be we're like five years from now there's so much data that programs can show these kids where it's like you're not going to get picked up i mean sure go check it out but we this is the way it is now and this is your odds of being a star going somewhere else you know what i mean like the more data we have on the portal that these universities and these programs can show these kids, I think you'll see it shift. And I also heard but from a rules from a rules perspective, is is that more important to the governing body than the powerhouses poaching from the haves poaching from the have nots? I think that's also the just the the Alabama going and getting Jameer Gibbs and right. the, the USC getting Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams. It's like I think that's the kind of thing that would I feel like steer some legislation more than anything else. Cause it's just like this, this feels like free agency and this is yeah. really what college football has ever been. I mean, look at Trey Burton, like for every Jordan Addison, where it was a seamless transition, there's a Trey Burton. It was worse at Alabama this year. Than Jermaine Burton. Yeah. Jermaine Burton. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no guarantees. You can make the jump, but there are no guarantees and the grass is not always greener, but kids you're an adult 18 and up like you're able to do whatever like if you want to make that jump but i think there'll be more and more data on kids um who make the jump and it doesn't go the way that they want to go and they may have left a good program that could have developed them and i i don't know it just i cannot imagine being in that position now with kids it's more options for them it's got to be really really tough because the window to become a superstar become a guy who can make a living playing football is so slim the margin for error is so finite that like <laughs> you're putting so much trust in these programs for a very small amount of your time to get to you where you want to be, right? Like it's just, I can only imagine the pressure involved and they just want to make the right decision for themselves, but it's hard and there's no easy, easy answer here. But I did hear Bud Elliott on cover three the other day, make a good point that I had not considered enough. You heard this too of like, Part of the reason I think he said was the, that the portal is popping like this for this year is because no one saw any of these 2020 kids up close. So that whole class was just like video recruiting and like you didn't get mm. to go to games. You didn't get to go see them in person, get to know them in the home, all that kind of stuff that there were a lot of bad fits because you were just taking kids based on some video that you saw and you didn't really get to know if it was a fit. You didn't get to know really 
um, if they were going to work out at uni your university. So there's a lot of odd fits that have to be kind of that are just going to move out of the program because they just they bet on what they saw on a couple videos and did not get to recruit the same that they always have. So I think the 2022 recruiting cycle may have uh, caused a bigger craziness in uh, in the portal this year is my guess. And the I thought 20, it was interesting. I didn't consider that. The 2020 class in general yeah. just kind of, yeah. I could definitely see that uh, as a as a hangover. But in in terms of bringing it back to the to the playoff rankings, right? Uh, was there anything that surprised you uh, about the rankings? Did I you mean, agree with it? did you agree with it? Yes, I did. Um, I think I. I mean, personally, I would still put Ohio State ahead of TCU because TCU lost, and that kind of opened it up. But um, look, <laughs> I don't want to get people upset. TCU deserve two things can be true. TCU deserved to be in the playoff. TCU is not one of the six, seven best schools in the country. They're just not. And based on what? Look, Tennessee and Alabama, they took care of business. Like their strength of schedule is better. Both How? of their strength of schedule. So Tennessee was eighth. I think Alabama was ninth in strength of schedule this year. And you go through it. They didn't what take care TCU of business do? No, multiple times hold on. <laughs> during the season. Bama lost by a combined four points to a really good Tennessee team. And um, why am I blanking? Oh, an LSU who ended up going to the SEC title game. They had their blowout wins. They took care of business by and large. We saw on both sides of the ball, they weren't Alabama of old, but they still didn't drop the ball. Like they still, the difference with TCU, and I told you this for weeks on end, like they were eventually going to get bitten because they played close with everybody. The good, the bad, they never just dominated anybody. And the Big 12 is a significantly worse conference than the SEC. And Chris Sims made this point, and I, we'll talk about it when we get to TCU, but, like, what do you think TCU does against Tennessee's schedule? Do you I'm think not sure I agree that the Big 12 is a significantly worse conference than the SEC. Like, Alabama didn't play Georgia, so that's the best team in the SEC. Mm -hmm. Like, Kansas State is a top-10 team. Like, uh, Are they a top-10 team in the SEC? I mean, maybe. Are they better than South Carolina? Like, South Carolina is the fourth highest ranked team in the SEC. Like, they were a pretty flawed team most of the season. LSU, is LSU even a good team? Like, they're fine. Like, they're 9-4 and four now. Like, Georgia just hung 50 on them in the SEC championship. Like, I don't think LSU is a particularly good team. And, and that was the team that was representing the West this year. Like, the SEC was not just some juggernaut of a conference this year and tcu like alabama lost two games by four points tcu lost one game in overtime by three points and they scored on third and goal in overtime like when they reviewed that play the guy the ball crossed the plane like you could see the view from over top like i don't know what the big 12 officiating is doing in that game because tcu's your your uh your golden goose here they're the one that are getting you the playoff i don't know why you're trying to get them to lose but i thought that was a, a bad call that that forced them to, to end up going for it on fourth and goal but that's that's tcu's one loss is it's by three in overtime there are only three teams top 10 in scoring offense and scoring defense in the country who do you think those three are um probably georgia mm -hmm. uh michigan mm -hmm. and i don't know is alabama one of them it's alabama Alabama's higher in scoring than TCU. 
They have a top 10 defense. TCU scoring defense is all the way down at 57th. Who's Two- Alabama's best win? That's not what we're doing, though. If you're comparing Alabama and t- TCU, it's exactly what you're doing. Dallas Turner, Will Anderson on the edge. Max Duggan was taking a See, beating. In this- no, I don't care about that. Like that's It's about their resume. Like Yeah, we all know that they have no, better recruits. No, but that's recruits, my whole thing. Is I said players. based on resume, TCU deserves to be in. That's what so I'm that's, saying. I feel like that's the end of the conversation. Well, no, though, what right? I'm saying like is they- we can still have that conversation and say let, like the better games is Alabama or Tennessee in for TCU. Like TCU has no shot against Michigan. Like no shot. None whatsoever. And I just if don't agree g- at all. Like, why would they have no shot to beat Michigan? Why is Michigan so much better than TCU? Like, the Big Ten has been by far the worst of the Power f- Five conferences this year. Big, mm-hmm. It's had better than the ACC. It's fourth of the, of the Power Five conferences, in my opinion, this year. Like, Penn State on, is in me, the top I, ten. Can, like, whatever. No one even really knows how good Penn State is. They they look they look mediocre every every time you watch them play. Michigan and Ohio State are the only two two good teams in this conference. So mm-hmm. I just don't know how to value what Michigan and Ohio State did all season versus what TCU did because I feel like there's a lot of competitive games with a lot of Big 12 teams this year. 10-point favorites, TCU, uh, or TCU are 10-point dogs they opened against Michigan. In comparison, Ohio State opened as 6.5-point dogs against the Bulldogs, a better team. What I am saying is if Michigan... What and was Ohio Alabama? State favored against Michigan? Huh? How much was Ohio State favored to beat Michigan by? Uh, not much. It was what, three and a half? But Four? they were favored. I think it was like That's six a... or seven. Mm. And they lost by like 20. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, we, that doesn't matter. The like, talent's whatever... different. Oh, this is another part of it. The talent's different. Like, they're not in the blue chip ratio. They're not there. Um, We'll see. Like, I just, they're going to get the blue, like, they're going to get beat down. Like, if they got georgia that game's 40 point game i mean um, who's who's the closest team to tcu that that michigan's played all year like there's they don't play anybody Penn state that, illinois yeah, like max duggan is way better than sean clifford like max duggan might be the heisman winner right now like he's at least in the top three or four of the conversation Hold on, do you think like, t- tcu would beat Penn State on a neutral site absolutely right now i don't yeah. think so they they have like a 1400 yard rusher and max duggan who's heisman worthy like i i you're wait who's tcu's best one um probably um probably kansas state the first time around um maybe texas oklahoma state none of these teams are top 10 teams tennessee's beating a top 10 team alabama i'm comparing them to alabama yeah Tennessee has a better resume than Alabama. Like I, I'm agree not, with I that don't too. agree with I don't agree with Alabama being ahead of Tennessee. Like I think it's a it's a slippery slope to the project reason they did that someone is after an injury. Like I just think that's, that's what a, I'm saying. I think that's what happened. I, if I had to put my money on it, Tennessee would be ahead of Alabama if Hendon Hooker was not out for the year. Also, you want to talk? Put your money on it. If if there was an Oklahoma logo logo next to TCU's name, there's not even a conversation about this. Like they're undefeated yeah. and then they lost. Like there's no question. Like this is all anti TCU bias. Like don't don't hate on TCU because you didn't think they're gonna be there. You know I'm not what I hating mean? on them. I'm saying they're giving us a worst game. So my whole thing is like I don't care about entertainment. The quarterfinals have been bad by or semifinals. I keep calling it quarterfinals. The semifinals have been bad year over year. Michigan and Alabama or Michigan and Tennessee will give us a much better game than TCU is going to give any of them. I am saying TCU is deserving. Alabama should have taken care of business in Death Valley. And I'm that, not and disagreeing, but I'm saying here. 
if we were looking for the best games possible, I think Tennessee's or TCU is like the eighth option for a playoff game. They just don't belong. Like they belong with their resume, but with the talent and what's going to happen to them, it's not and, the same. And see, I think this is why the automatic bids are so important for mm-hmm. this for the playoff format. I think this is why conference championships are so important, is because you play ten percent of the teams in all of college football on on a given schedule like you have no idea like michigan and tcu did they play one one common opponent this year like you have no idea who these teams are like there's there's really no idea and maybe the big 12 really was a bunch of mediocre teams maybe it was a bunch of good teams beating each other and so everyone ended up with three losses it is the only conference where everybody plays everybody so i mean if there's going to be more losses to go around in the big 12 than any other conference just on a year in year in year out basis it's like you look at ohio state's schedule or michigan's schedule and it like did they play anyone that was good from the west like tcu it, it, is 64th in rush defense purdue was 42nd yeah that's fine they purdue doesn't have max Duggan. tcu is getting their ass kicked by michigan like just write that in like we are so afraid because we're it's like sparing the feelings it's like no they belong there based on their resume what we don't have to do is pretend that they're better than Alabama. What we don't have to do is pretend they're better than Tennessee. What we don't have to do is pretend they're even better than a healthy Oregon. Like, it's just not, it's not reality. But that's why it's just, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. It's, what I'm saying is what as college a college football, football is, fan, I want understand. the best games and I want to see, like if Hooker was healthy, I would have preferred Tennessee get in obviously, but without Joe Milton's not running the gauntlet, like that's not happening. Who cares? But Alabama would give Michigan a game. That might be a three and a half, two and a half point spread on, and I might even take Alabama in that one. And then we get Georgia, Alabama in the final. Well, if or Al- Georgia this or not Tennessee, how college Bama. football works. They didn't no. earn it in the regular season. Well, this is a good part of the expanded playoff because we could just toss them out early. Like, and I'm not freaking out about this. You can just light the grenade. This is the the worst part about the expanded college ball playoff is because we all know Alabama did not have a championship level season this year. Like, it's just, we know but what if a you championship put them in, hold on, level Matt season Green. is in college football. But if you put them in the playoff, are you damn certain they wouldn't win it this year? No, I'm not damn certain of anything that would happen. Like, it's... Well, no, we're certain that TCU's to, not winning the title. You like, open we are up certain. to 12 teams. No, we're not certain of that. I'm sorry. Are we now going down the pike where we're saying TCU has beaten Georgia and Michigan in succession? They're one of the four teams left. They have a, they have no, a chance they have to a do zero. it. Zero. A zero no, percent chance. Alabama has a zero percent chance oh, to win the playoff. No. TCU does have a chance to win the playoff. Like they're no. in, they're one of four teams. How can you not have a chance? They don't have the players. It's not happening. I mean, Michigan just isn't this this juggernaut. That's just like they if they haven't recruited at the level of an Alabama or an Ohio ratio. State or or. But I'm just talking about this team that you just know is going to smash everyone they play. Like. I mean, this is kind of a surprise, but it's also kind of a surprise to see Michigan. Like, they don't recruit to this level of like top two. Where are they in the blue chip ratio? Like, I don't really pay attention to the They're blue 59%. chip ratio. What is that? Like fifteenth? No, 12th? it's like uh, let me see. 13th. Like, they're not. That's yeah. what I'm saying. They're not one of the higher ones. Well, so no, Michigan everyone who's in the top fifteen, you have to be over fifty percent. And but Auburn and Florida are in there too. So it's like yeah. I take it with a grain of salt. Like the, those teams are bad. So it's it's not really it's not everything. And so Michigan Well, it's everything if you want to win a title. Literally no team's ever won it without it. Like none. 
It's never I happened. mean, it's how long have we had this? For like eight years? Like this I mean, blue chip no, ratio. we could go back to the blue chips. We can still see like who talent ultimately wins out in the sport. Like it, it matters. We haven't been keeping this. We don't have this data for that long right. to just say that it's never happened. I'm just saying. Mac Green wants to die on the TCU can win and Hill. They like, have a chance. They're no, in they the don't. playoff. None. But Michigan isn't just this team that's just destroyed everyone they've they've played. Like they, You better they keep be- the same energy when we do our picks. They you better pick beat TCU, Illinois. sir. I'm you better they, pick TCU. They barely beat Illinois a couple weeks ago. The Ohio State game was back and forth until they broke a, like a couple 80-yard runs in the final like five, six minutes of the game. So it's yeah. like I just I don't know where this is coming from that like Michigan is just this I don't know this. I, don't, I mean they did this thing where TCU force, didn't do it. Like, they took care of business in the Big Twin title game. Yeah, because they played Purdue. Purdue who, is not a, a bad five team. Five loss Purdue. Kansas well, State is loss. top ten. They Can- had three. They were one loss ahead, like away from being at Purdue spot. Kansas State is a way better team than Purdue this year. I, I don't think. Are we especially sure? Especially since Will Kansas Howard State has been over. like this, and with Adrian Martinez, where is since, Kansas State? But they've had Will Howard for the last yeah. five weeks, and they're they actually look like a top ten team. I, I don't think they, they look like they, top ten. But. They'd be in the playoff if they had gone to Will Howard all season, honestly. I mean, if they were a one-loss Big 12 champion, they could easily be a one-loss Big 12 champion. can't extrapolate Will Howard would have done this for 12 games. No. I mean, look at look at who they lost to, though. I'm yeah. just saying, like, Adrian Martinez was, was bad. Like, he was not good. And they've actually been a good team with Will Howard, but... Regardless, it's been a it's been a chaotic season. If a one-loss Big Twelve champion happened this year, like, or if Kansas State was that, they would have gone to the playoff. And also, nine in the preseason top twenty-five, nine of the preseason top twenty-five finished ranked this year. So mm-hmm. like, all these preseason rankings and composite talent, like, people don't know what the hell is going going to happen in a college football season. Like you didn't think TCU was going to be here all season. So obviously, yeah, now we're at the playoff. Yeah. We're still going to continue to doubt TCU, but that doesn't mean they don't have a chance. It does. No chance. Zero. But none. Matt Green, you better pick TCU to beat Michigan in a couple weeks. You better do it. We'll see. I'll have to get there. But and also, in are terms we forgetting of, what you admitted last week where you were like, yeah, we would rather have TCU than Bama, Tennessee, or um, Ohio State in the spot. You admitted it. Yeah, but I, I mean, that's not, that's me in terms of projecting of who I think is going to be the most dangerous team for Georgia to play. Are but you not more excited about getting what, Michigan or TCU in the final? I mean, if TCU beats Michigan, then it, it changes how you view TCU. Oh, so it's like a it's like NCAA God. tournament. You get to the final four. It's no, like, it's well, a bye. If, if someone you get TCU be- in the final, it's a bye. You can start Carson Beck. If you're playing George game. Mason in the final four, oh, and this is obviously not George Mason. TCU. They never won the title. Do you know how that story ends, Matt Green? But they my lost. point is, if you're playing George Mason in the final four, you're playing a team that just knocked off UConn and whoever in the two seed and the three seed. Like you're pl- like. They but obviously who won the title that year? Team. I think Florida won the title yeah, that year. Another blue blood. What are we doing? Florida's not a blue blood. Well, they had talent everywhere. Joakim Noah, Al Horford. But what, whatever, whatever. Yeah. The have point, you noticed that the stars, generally speaking, went out, man? I mean, sometimes. Sometimes the teams rallied. Uh, give, I, me the college stories ball, give me the Give me the college ball story where that's happened. Give me the one look at the, in our look lifetime. At the Ohio State. 2002, Ohio State wasn't better than Miami, and they that gritty, gritty bunch of players of Craig Krenzel, they they got it done. That Miami team was like the greatest team in, in college football history. How many NFL players were on that 2002 
Ohio State team? Probably a quarter of the amount that were on the opposite team. Uh, Do you remember that Ohio State team? Yeah. They won every game and like and they were in the blue chip ratio. And like what are we doing? You don't, you don't it's Ohio State. That. You don't know they were the blue chip ratio. Oh my God, he's not. We don't have we don't have that data. You know we don't have that data. <laughs> Noted similar programs: TCU and Ohio State. Oh my goodness. The point is, Oregon Oregon didn't recruit like some of the other big time powerhouses when they were getting to national championships in 2010 and 2014. Like Mariota. Yeah, they. I mean, they weren't recruiting top five like every year, like some of these other teams are. They just they, they have a the certain system. ratio, though. I don't think you know that either. I feel like you're just saying things. Twenty fourteen in blue chip ratio. Anyway, let's see. Going just back to the rankings, because <laughs> I feel like you keep getting off on the side. I just need you to admit, like, I don't know why you can't do this. I, mean, I don't know why you're hating on TCU so hard. I'm not hating on them. They deserve, I've been very clear, they deserve to be in, but we also don't have to lie about their chances. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't think they're Cincinnati from a year ago. I think they actually, they went through a Big 12, a Big 12 schedule and actually, like they played some good teams, beat a lot of good teams. And I feel like oh, Oregon paper, was at 41% in that year. There you go. T- stick that in your blue chip they ratio. They lost. What is the joke? What do you mean? They lost. Stick that in your blue chip ratio. But who no won one thought, that year? Nobody thought they would have Who, who won in 2014? Honestly, I guarantee you Alec Auburn probably wasn't in 2010. That was a bad team. They just had Cam Newton on it. But it's not important. Are we talking about the Heisman, Cam Newton? Yes. What was Cam Newton as a pro? Never mind. I can't do it. We're, we're, we're going around in circles. We're, it's, we're, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> I just hated that the Boo Corrigan said that there was zero conversation about an Ohio State-Michigan rematch. Because, mm. honestly, if you guys didn't mention Ohio State-Michigan rematch, then you weren't doing your job. Like, mm. you, you're saying that didn't happen at all. They're just like, huh, you know, did these teams play earlier this year? No, no one even mentioned a rematch. Didn't even say a word about it. It's Because um, I feel like it's legitimate to just be like, yeah, we thought about it. And um, these two teams are pretty much equal, and we wanted to avoid a rematch in the first round. Would anyone really disagree with that? Like, if if TCU is undefeated right now, it's like there's no conversation. TCU is clearly three, Ohio State's four. It's like whatever. But there was a conversation to be had about Ohio State being number three because, like, you're sitting here like, you don't think TCU is better than Ohio State. No. And, and now they're sitting here, Ohio State's 11-1, and TCU is 12-1. and But you could obviously make the argument on a neutral field, Ohio State's going to be favored ahead of TCU. But I'm I'm cool with it. Like, as a Georgia fan, I like I said, I would have rather have played TCU because I think, I think Ohio State's a more dangerous team for Georgia to play. But from just uh, what should have happened in the playoff rankings – I, I'm, I'm cool with Ohio State, Michigan not being rematched in the first round. Because for all we know, those are the two best teams in college football. And they just played two weeks ago. Why make them play again to get to the national championship? Like, they, they might be the two best teams in college football. But they also, the Big Ten is whack this year. And they also could both lose in the first round. So, I don't know. I, uh, what we, remains to be seen what will happen. I'm not nearly as convinced as you, as you are that Michigan's just going to route TCU. But um, Ohio State, Georgia, like I said a few weeks ago, like that's the, uh, 
That's the rivalry that college football has been waiting on. Like this is it's just been brewing underneath the surface for years and these two teams seem to hate each other but they never play. And now we're going to get Ohio State Georgia and that's going to be an insane matchup. I feel like that's going to be an expensive ticket in Atlanta. It is. And look, my pick right now, Matt Green, you're going to hate it. December 5th, I'm taking a Big Ten rematch in the title game. Mm. We shall see. Following up with Alabama and Georgia, we do a Big Ten rematch the following year. Um, I'm pretty sure the uh, oh, the Big Ten champion, 2014, is the only year, um, I think ever, legitimately hmm. ever, that a Big Ten team has beaten the SEC champion. So hmm. it's only happened one time ever so and that was ohio state over bama and that was ohio state beating alabama so ohio state that that team did win their conference that year it wasn't a, a runner-up but what was it the other year that ohio state got in as the uh non-conference champion that was when they was that when they got blanked by clemson like 30 to zero might be so i don't know we'll we'll see what happens first playoff by the way without bama and clemson ever see we didn't need to we didn't need to change the format. We just needed to just let let things play out. Four teams is perfect. Like people talk about the BCS is still a viable option. I don't BCS is the best. I don't think that's well, you, a viable this option. This year is the exact reason you would do Michigan Georgia. It it would have worked out this year with a BCS. Yeah. But the four team format just gives you that basically you have to be perfect like you always have been in college football. But you have a little room for a little wiggle room. And if you're an undefeated from your conference, you're going to get in that playoff and, and decide it on the field. It's it's the perfect amount of kind of leeway and, and keeping the, the structure of the sport the same. But, yeah, obviously it's going to change here in, in the new years. But, yeah, this is one of the years where it would have worked out. But, I mean, you look at it. I mean, what, 2021, Georgia was the three seed. And they, they won the national championship. 2017, Bama was the four seed. 2014, Ohio State was the four seed. Like, we've seen at least we've seen three champions in the in the playoff era that weren't one or two. So I feel like that right there says that this system was is working better than the BCS would have. But we just we didn't need we didn't need to overreact. Like Clemson and Alabama under any format that you ever would have had would have just been dominating that sport for six seven years in a row. Like they were just that good. And but yeah, now we've changed it, and we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. Matt Green, you want to talk some stuff that actually happened this weekend? Yeah, let's talk about it. All right, um, we're not going to spend a lot of time, folks, on Coastal Troy. Coastal's new coach uh, is Tim Beck, OC at NC State, and Jimmy Chadwell left to be coach at Liberty, so that was it for him. Is that that, well, that seemed like a surprising move, right? Four Chadwell? mil for him. It's four mil a year. It's four million a year. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Liberty's got that money, but um, yeah. I just would have thought he's he could get a Power Five job. But I guess I guess I mean, money, the last Liberty coach talks. just went to a Power Five job at Auburn, so I think he's positioning himself quite well. That's fair. I mean, he was already positioned pretty well, wasn't he, to to get one of those? I mean, now you're looking at a spot though with them. Are they independent? Or are they in the? They've been independent, right? I'm pretty sure they're independent. I think they're joining the CUSA though next year, if I remember correctly. I think they're joining or the AAC. They're joining a conference. Um, soon but either way i think he's gonna be on the short list for a lot of sec jobs like he'll be on the short list for tennessee if that ever opens back up again like he's 
like he'll be South Carolina when uh, they flame out in a couple of years. He'll be on that list. Um, so there are, he'll have options. Jamie Chadwell will be just fine. Um, oh, Shane Beamer's gonna have a statue by then. That's enough. I can't handle. Oh God. Um, speaking of Dabo and his comments, walking those back, I cannot wait for Clemson, uh, Tennessee in the Orange Bowl. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, Matt Green, USC, they go down uh, to the Utah Utes on Friday night. Uh, Caleb Williams had F Utah on his knuckles written on uh, his knuckles. Did not go well uh, in this one. Caleb Williams was still awesome all across the board. Played with the messed up hamstring. Uh, had some bonkers throws. And just he kind of submitted that he was the best player, I think, in the country this year. Like he was doing stuff that you're like, I this guy is just uber talented. It's gonna be the first pick in the draft uh, following next year if he continues on this path. And you know, thirty to seven in the second half, like USC's defense just completely pooped the bed. Like they're just people made jokes about Tennessee and their defense. This USC defense is just awful. And Andy Staples uh, and Ari Wasser made made a really good point about this on the. Um, post game show they did on youtube that i listened to about uh usc and utah and their point i think is I, i'm curious to get your perspective on this but i figure you might share it is that this usc team is just like every other oklahoma team that lincoln's had where it's just this unbelievable all-time offense that should win the title or should be right there but the defense isn't anywhere close to winning a title like their defense isn't close to being good enough to win back-to-back important playoff type games or beating the physical teams like the Utahs of the world where it's like we've seen this movie too many times like Lincoln has to make very tough choices and he has to get serious about the defense like if that means toning down the offense a little bit if that means not going after so many of the Jordan Addisons and instead you go after at the Harold Perkins of the world like you've got to adjust now like you are at USC you can get We've seen tons of first-round picks like Detroit Palomalus of the world and everything else. Like There is all kinds of defensive talent in Southern California, but you've got to adjust. Like This cannot be the norm and what you did at Oklahoma. like The lesson that you learned there should be we have to be a dominant defense too. We have to – this softness that they have on defense is just – you're throwing away an all-time great quarterback season again. Like, Caleb Williams was unbelievable in this one. He was unbelievable all season long, and he wasted it. The offense didn't waste it. Your offense was elite. Your defense is so bad, you don't have a chance against the Georgia of the world, the Michigans of the world, the Ohio States. Like, you go down the list. I just, I don't know. I think if you're a USC fan, you're scared. If It's like, man, you better have learned your lesson. You're getting paid a lot of money to uh, get USC back to prominence. And, look, you were a game out of the playoff, and that's huge for where they've been over the last decade. But, like, Lincoln, you're going to have to make very difficult decisions, and you have to adjust. You have to do the Kirby thing, which they made. And I thought it was a very astute point, where Kirby had to go, I like James Coley, and I kind of want to play the the style that James Coley wants to play, but I got to go get Todd Bonkin. Like, I got to go get a brilliant offensive mind to fix this offense and get us to where I want to be to win a national title. And he did it. Lincoln's got to go get a big time just DC who's going to fix this thing. He needs to go get his Jim Knowles. He needs to really spend this offseason fixing this defense. The offense is fine. Like he has to eventually do this, or this is just a they're a gigantic waste of our time. I mean, I think it's fair to say that it's it looks a lot like it always has looked at Oklahoma, but it's also 
it's year one at USC at the same time. Like obviously he knows that he's got to he's got to improve the defense. It's it's hard to ignore that this looks exactly like Oklahoma always looked. But I, I tend to give him a little bit of leeway just because this was year one. Like USC wasn't even supposed to be here necessarily in year one. So I, I feel like it's still a it's still a, a great first season. But you look at Utah. I mean, they were up 17-3 in this one. I start to, like, you can't blame it all on the, the one play because, I mean, they straight up dominated them for, for, for three quarters of this game. But the, the strategy of just going for it on fourth down, so many of these, these coaches out there that are consider themselves just kind of offensive, analytic-based coaches, and this, this, new, this new thing where you just go for it all the time, I feel like you're you can you're seeing that backfire sometimes in these games. Like USC was really just dominating this game, just completely in control, up seventeen to three, when they were stopped for it on on fourth down, on, on downs in inside uh they're just inside field goal territory. From that point on, you Utah like it feels like it almost like invigorated Utah's sideline. Like it gave Utah momentum. From that point on, after Utah, USC was up 17-3 when they were stopped uh, for that turnover on downs. After that point, USC went punt, 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 touchdown, interception, fumble, end of game. They scored one touchdown on their final eight drives of this game. After that that going forward on fourth down that kind of just deflated the the control that you had over this game also utah after that happened immediately went down and scored a touchdown and then scored a touchdown again to to tie it at 17 before the half after that turnover on downs utah went touchdown touchdown punt touchdown punt field goal touchdown 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 like they were just completely in control of the game from that point on so they had seven sacks in this one caleb williams had 12 carries for 21 yards that's with his 59 yard run he had in this game he still had 21 yards rushing i wish we would get rid of uh like keep track of sack yards but start to calculate it the way the nfl does and so we still know what guys rushing numbers are but yeah this was uh this was an impressive performance and also looking at utah dominate usc it feels like it feels bigger than just this game you looked at utah dominating usc you also saw a week ago michigan dominate ohio state I think we might be seeing a defensive renaissance in college football right now. You look at the teams that won every Power 5 conference this, this year. Georgia, number one in total defense, number one in scoring defense. Uh, Utah, number one in scoring defense, number one in total defense. Ohio, uh, Michigan, number two in scoring defense, number two in, in total defense. Kansas State, number one in scoring defense, number three in total defense. Even in the ACC, Clemson's one of the better defenses in the ACC. Tulane, number one in total defense and number two in scoring defense in the AAC. I feel like we've seen so many years of just the offenses dominated this sport that the teams that actually can play defense are starting to take a stranglehold on, and you're starting to see those teams really rise to the top, like in every conference just about this year. Interesting. But do you think it's, do you think it's a defense thing or do you think, because I'm going to throw this at you. Top 11 in scoring offense. Tennessee, Ohio State, USC, Washington, Bama, TCU, Michigan, Utah, Oregon, UCLA, and Georgia. 
There's a case that's the 11 best teams in college football this year, right? That is true, but how many of those won their conference? Well, Washington didn't get to play in it, and I think there's a case that Washington, at the end of the day, may have been the best team in the conference um, this year. Because I don't think they played Utah, did they? No, they didn't. Yeah, so we never got to see that one. That probably would have been the, the best one to see. It's almost like divisions matter. Like, the, the divisions actually needed to be there to decide who played in the conference championship. That was the stupidest thing I've ever seen, to just go ahead and get rid of divisions before you've actually made a scheduling adjustment. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I also wonder, too, Matt Green, if it's, like, the physical. It's not even just defense. It's, like, because San Francisco, there was a really good piece in uh, SI uh, a few days ago from Connor Orr, who covers the NFL for Sports Illustrated. And it was on Jimmy G and the 49ers, right? And the 49ers have built their entire offense around physicality. Like, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, um, George Kittle, they all have one thing in common. They're really, really hard to tackle. And they're all... When you look at the metrics, they just break tackles. Like they are breaking tackles, guys. So you don't have to do the big stuff. You don't do the flashy stuff. You just give them the ball and they are going to get more yards and break tackles. You know that's going to happen. But the reason you build a team that way in 2022 is because tackling is worse than ever. Like all across the board, defenses are worse than they were years ago. You spend less time focusing on tackling and focusing on that kind of old style that. I think what we're seeing now is the Michigans, the Georgias, the TCUs, even um, Kansas State, especially with their physical style, is they're just making you tackle them. They are making you match their physicality. And your ha- teams that can't match physicality with some of these big timers are just getting run about Utah, extremely physical. Those tight ends just bouncing off USC defenders that, like, I think that's a big part of it, too, is just the teams that are uber physical and georgia's the biggest example of that or like jalen carter's just choke slamming the lsu quarterback with one arm and celebrating with the other it's like that level of physicality he I did think not it, choke slam sir well i mean he just had him up it looked like he, he was in the cane choke sa- slam. he safely placed him back well what i'm ground. saying you get what i'm saying it looked like a wwf yeah, move yeah. is what that looked like um but either way i think it's a physicality thing even more than defense is that fair i mean i think that's fair but you just look at the teams that are able to play. Like you just kind of said, like there's so few teams that are even able to play good defense that once you play good defense, you, you separate yourself. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it, I think the sport has always been complimentary well, foot, the, but that's what I was going to say. The sport has always been, you have to have a good offense and a good defense to win. Mm-hmm. And way more teams are able to have a good offense these days. Like you were literally saying last week, Oh, US, uh, Utah, they don't have a good offense. Like, they're like third or fourth in the Pac 12. Like, they average like 39 points a game. Like, yeah. they do have a good offense and they have a good defense to go with it. That, okay, well, if they're giving up eight, 17 points a game and scoring 39, well, that's better than the team that's scoring 42 and giving up 27. Like, so I think you, you've always had to be balanced. And I think you're starting to see more and more teams that are able to actually have a good defense and, like a team like Georgia, yeah, you maybe you had to change your I- identity a little bit, and you maybe had to open it up on offense a little bit more. But Georgia's Georgia's not doing that much different than that many different things, and they've always been doing on offense. They're just executing it better, and they're they're scoring just under forty points a game and holding the teams 
to about 10 points a game. It's like if you if you can if the team can't score on you, it's it's hard for you to lose. It, it's like that's it's one strategy to try to outscore everyone, but when you're actually able to play defense in this modern era, like it it separates you even more. I like it. Um, and I think we'll see more and more of that. I think you're going to see more of an emphasis on defense and physicality. Uh, I think there's a teams are like, this is a copycat league and copycat sport. People are going to look around and be like, Oh, this is what people are doing. We need to place more emphasis on this. Um, speaking of, even, even yeah. Kansas state, is that where we're going? Next? Yeah, we're going Kansas state. Yeah. Even, even them, like they had the number one defense in the, in the big 12, but with Will Howard at quarterback, they were averaging over 40 points a game. Like you, yeah. you have to be able to do both. Well, Kansas State, they win in overtime. Um, TCU goes for it. Just some really horrible play calls at the end. And I think Max Duggan was in uh, before on third and goal. I don't know how they didn't end up putting him in on that run. I would have put him in. But the call, like, I thought it was just, what are you doing? Where you just take the ball out of the guy who's just run for a billion miles all day long. You take it out of his hand and just do the Kendry Miller up the middle over and over again and just doesn't happen um i i didn't agree with so that So you don't think he got in on third and goal no i think he did okay i think duggan got in um but kendry i just that was a terrible fourth and goal play call like that was yeah. that was awful and i would have just lived and died by what max duggan was gonna do um in this one and part of me like i went away from it where i was like did he just solidify the Heisman for him like that was that kind of effort and I think if they won he may have solidified it but they lost I don't know I'm down to the Heisman you could sell me on four right now you could sell me on four and they're all quarterbacks who would you guess my four that you could sell me on like I would not be I just I want to hear your list because I have my own list so tell me Caleb Williams okay Max Duggan Hendon Hooker and Stetson Bennett hmm I think if you went with any of those four, I would not fight you on it. I think uh, all four. So you don't include CJ Stroud in that. No, I think it's over. Like CJ did not have like he. What was the biggest the biggest game of the season he had to play? He didn't show up. Like that was it. Like when you play for a one game season, like you're at Ohio State, and also he's hurt because the receiving core and the running like it's just it's really nice to be the Ohio State running uh, quarterback. It's a really nice gig. I don't know, just a little bit different for me. No, I agree. I feel like this year should should teach us how we need to start reevaluating this award more than anything. It's mm. like Ohio State Michigan game. This is this is Blake Corum versus well, I guess we should go back even further. Hendon Hooker is the clear Heisman winner. Oh, you know, he lost to Georgia. He's out. Ohio State, Blake Corum versus versus uh, CJ Stroud. The winner of this is gonna be the Heisman front runner. Blake Corum doesn't play in Ohio and Michigan wins by three touchdowns. Oh, okay. I guess both guys are out. Caleb Williams is the is the front runner in the Heisman. Oh, they lose. I guess he's out. It's like maybe we shouldn't maybe we should come up with a different criteria. Max Duggan legit had the Heisman performance of the year, like all the the moments and everything, just willing his team but they lost. So is he out now too? It's like, what are we doing? Like we need to just figure out the guy doesn't have to have some Heisman moment, some magical season need to be ranked in the top four, like have the best stats, like all this, like let's just give it to the best player. Like let's, let's not overthink this. Like let's give it to the best player. And honestly, the best player this season is Jalen Carter hmm. for Georgia. He's the best player in college football. He's the best player I've seen. Like he just, 
he just dominates, but like he doesn't. I don't even know if he's a first team All American this year. He he might be once once they they uh, they make the awards, but neck he's he missed a couple games, and so you've kind of seen you know maybe he doesn't have the huge counting stats. Like he's got more stats than a Jordan Davis put up, but Jordan Davis was even he was just a super valuable player. But like we just need to figure out a different way to like Will Anderson. I feel like he had an underwhelming year. He still had like nine or 10 sacks, but like you're going to tell me this guy still isn't one of the best players in college football. Maybe there's since all there's these, all these underwhelming offensive players, maybe a a defensive player is the best player in college football this year. Like, it's just like Bijan Robinson, like what is Texas eight and four? I think Texas went six and six the year Ricky Williams won the Heisman. Like, who cares? Like the guy's a baller. Like Chase Brown, uh, I almost said Ricky Williams. Chase Brown, Bijan Robinson, either one of them could be the Heisman, and, and I wouldn't mind. But I, I 100% think Stetson Bennett this week. I think he got himself an invite to New York City. I think so. Who 20, do you think gets invited? At this point, I, I don't. You never know how many they're gonna invite, right? They used yeah. to always do five. Sometimes it's like three. I think Max Duggan is a guarantee invite. I think Caleb Williams is a guaranteed invite. I, I think, think Hooker's getting invited. I think Stetson gets an invite, and I think like Bijan Robinson gets an invite. Like Stroud, mm. I'm glad you brought that up about Stroud because I was looking at his numbers. He's got 37 touchdowns and six picks this year. But and I feel like coming into the year, he was my Heisman pick coming into the year, and I felt like him and uh, Bryce Young were like one A, one B coming into the year. Like now, like. NFL, they do what they want to do. Like he might go number one in the draft because he's six five, whatever, like prototype. But Bryce Young is so much better than than CJ Stroud. You just watch him play, and I'm just like, I'm just wowed every time I see Bryce Young play. And I just feel like I've been underwhelmed every time I've seen CJ Stroud this year. And you look at his numbers. First, the four worst teams in the Big Ten, he threw 13 of his 37 touchdowns. And then he threw nine touchdowns combined against Toledo and Arkansas State. So, I mean, 22 of this man's 37 touchdowns came against two G5 schools and literally the four worst teams in the Big Ten. And he threw zero against one of those, against the actual worst team in the Big Ten. But I just felt like in the the, the bigger games, like you just he just hasn't looked like a, a, Heisman, a, a Heisman winner, really, um, even though the stats – are definitely a Heisman worthy stats. Like you look at Caleb Williams, obviously they've lost a couple games too, but there's no, there's no like down performance for Caleb Williams. Like both times they've lost to Utah. This guy is absolutely balled out. Like, yeah. And, and it's and even against like some of the G five schools. It's not like he's just piling up the stats. Like it feels like Ohio state. I think they beat like, I think they dropped like 77 on somebody this year. And it's just, CJ Stroud like five touchdowns. It's like it just feels like they just pad stats. Like I don't even know how how to interpret them. But yeah, I thought that was gonna be a hot take from me to have CJ Stroud not in the Heisman ceremony. But you were saying the same thing. But yeah, so I guess if you go five, I might include Hooker if you go five. But yeah, I think Stetson, Duggan, and and Caleb Williams should all be in there. And it's Stetson Bennett. Like he's not he's not the best player in college football, but. He's had a hell of a year, and it, he's the only one that really fits the the formula, right? Like, the formula is a flawed formula. And I think if Stetson wins it, that should show you that it's a flawed formula. But he's on the number one team. He's a national champion. He's had some of those highlight reel kind of 
Heisman moment type plays and stuff this year. But it's like we all know he's not the reason Georgia is 13-0. and 0. He's a good player, but Georgia's loaded with everything around him. So we just need to quit making this such a team success award and having this perfect formula and just, just give it to the best player. And I think a guy like Jalen Carter is, is, is another legitimate candidate personally. See what Aaron Murray said about Stetson on Twitter? I did see that. He's I, the greatest quarterback in Georgia history, and I'm like, uh, I respectfully disagree, Aaron. Like he's Stetson has gotten slept on. I'm glad he's now getting his his credit. But classy from Aaron Murray, though, without a doubt. But like you give Aaron Murray that defense that's given up ten points a game, and, and Aaron Murray might have a couple national championships. Yeah, I don't know what old. My gut still says Caleb Williams wins, but I think Max Duggan comes in too. Um, I think it's down to those two, and then they'll invite whoever for there. But I think Hooker gets an invite. I think it's enough um, that Hooker does get an invite to New York, but we'll see. I wouldn't really hate on Caleb Williams winning it. I think Duggan, it, had they won, I think Duggan would have locked it up. So much pressure, man. I just And it's the way, too, that Caleb is just carrying it. It's just... And it's a different level of talent when you watch these two. Caleb's throw, like Caleb's just bonkers, man. Um, and he's going to be really, really good at the next level. But um, in terms of what happened at K-State, though, this was interesting from Tyler Griever. He said, quote, I don't think Chris Kleiman gets praised enough for the job he's done at Kansas State. He has won at least eight games in three of his four seasons, gone 20 and 16 in conference play, beaten Oklahoma three times in four years, which is bonkers, taking K-State to the Big 12 uh, title game. Like, that's, I mean, this is not a historic, like we, we talk about the L Roberson, Michael Bishop years and stuff like that, the Colin Klein, but like he, we've seen the Rocky times, uh, in the Kansas state era and it can get really bad in a hurry. Um, what was his name? Price, uh, for a while. I feel like there's been a lot more good than bad years. Yeah. They, they feel like, a one of those consistent going to a bowl game type programs. Well, least. I think he's elevated it. Like, I think they're now just like a perennial force in this conference. And when Texas and, uh oklahoma leave man I, I think they're just sitting right there climbing is a great great coach and he has built a really good thing at kansas state so I, I do think he deserves a lot of kudos for the consistency that he has brought to this group and their identity and bringing his style um from south dakota state and it's just working totally fine like he is just uh he's killing it and navigated a really complicated quarterback situation this year really well with martinez and Will Howard and Deuce Vaughn soared with him um, all year long as well. The defense is strong. They're just, they know exactly who they are. And when they get that special quarterback, maybe a full season of Will Howard next year, you lose Deuce Vaughn. But like, I don't know. Kansas State. Deuce I think, Vaughn is the X factor. Mm. It's going to be, he's going to be a tough one to replace for them. Well, there you go. And also, who had Tex or TCU being the first team from the state of Texas to make it to the college ball playoff? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good point. Not not many people. And also, a lot of people hated on Desmond Howard for his preseason playoff prediction, myself included. Hold on. He had someone else And in there. he ended up getting just about as many teams as everyone else did. That's with, true. With Michigan. It was, a t- it was still a terrible top four. Yeah, he did have Michigan and TCU. Who he was had, He had Baylor and A&M getting in. He yeah. had two Texas teams <laughs> getting in. Um, but yeah, Baylor, it was, who was it? Michigan, Baylor, A&M, and I think pittsburgh was his other one okay it was it was awful but i, <laughs> I guess now that pittsburgh. ohio state now that ohio state snuck in a lot no of i remember it was pittsburgh because he picked tennessee to beat pittsburgh in week two and you're like what are we doing you just picked pittsburgh to win to make it to the national title or the cfp the week prior what are we doing um 
There you go. Matt Green, in terms of what happened against LSU on Saturday, I paid the least, like I said, to attention to this one. They dropped 50. Um, I think based on what I saw, Georgia could have dropped 70 if they wanted to. In this one, we saw a crazy block field goal. Like I don't know what it's going to take for LSU to get their special teams in order, but block field goal, they don't do anything with it. They treat it like it's a blocked extra point. I will say, kind of dumb by Chris Smith where I would have been screaming at him for how long he waited. Like, they blow the whistle. You're getting chewed at. Like, he gave it a lot of time where I was looking at the TV and my gut was like, what is he doing? Why is he surrounded? Like, he's really milking this thing to wait for them to all start walking, make it think it's dead, and then pick it up and run. No, because I think he, I think he's the only one thinking about returning it. Because I think everyone else is like, "This is you know, get away from it, don't touch it." Plays Why? over. No, I think Georgia knew there were several Georgia players around. You, the ball. you saw a lot of guys because yeah. that's just typically what you do when when you block it and it goes forward. You you just kind of wave your hands off and you stay away from it. But no, but it you don't has do that for a block field goal. We've always known that. No, you do when it goes forward. You don't. The defense doesn't no, have to didn't touch go forward. It. it went back. No, it went forward. It was like in the end zone. I mean, he went. It was he returned it like ninety-five yards. It was almost in yeah. the end zone. Oh, okay. So I'm saying the defense doesn't ever have to touch that, you know, yeah. when it goes forward. So that's why you're just kind of taught, you know, mm. just stay away from it. But obviously, if you can do something with it, like that, like that Georgia Tech Florida State uh, ending a couple years ago when they upset them on like yeah. with no time left, like that's how that play played out. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a huge heads up play. Um, that's that was actually my green line stat of the week. I don't Ooh, know if you saw this this come up in the broadcast because you say you didn't watch much of this game. Mm-hmm. There's been five blocked field goals in SEC championship history. Mm-hmm. Georgia has four of them. Mm-hmm. Just I know Georgia fans are sitting at home. Beamer ball is always a thing. Georgia Bulldogs. Nobody blocks kicks <laughs> and punts like the like the Georgia Bulldogs. Every single big game, it just about Georgia blocks a punt or a field goal. Because they've also blocked two punts in, in the SEC championship, too. Back in 02 and in 05, they blocked a punt. So four blocked field goals, two blocked punts in SEC history. And even Kirby uh, in the Rose Bowl, blocked they blocked a field goal. National championship last year blocked a field goal that really kind of led to, to all the momentum being on Georgia's side in the third quarter of that game. But yeah, and, and even go back to the 2017 national championship. Tyler Simmons blocked that punt that he was called off sides for that Georgia fans will never forget in the third quarter of that Alabama game. But yeah, Beamer Ball is one thing, but uh, Kirby, Kirby's team's blocking kicks, and it goes back to Mark Rick's team. I don't know if you remember the uh, 2012. Uh, they blocked the field goal. Alec Ogletree returned it to the house. Uh, hmm. in the SEC championship against Alabama back in 2017 against Auburn, uh, Georgia blocked a field goal on that one. It's just blocking kicks, man. It, it, it leads to, to good things for the Georgia Bulldogs. I wonder how many Terrence Cody had total. I feel like he had at least two by himself. Terrence Cody yeah, he, was a difficult man to block. He definitely had a couple. Um, but yeah, Georgia just jumped out in this one. Uh, LSU's got to be discouraged the way this this one started because they really were the better the better team for probably the first quarter of this game. They were moving the ball well on Georgia, but what were they the doing block- to move the ball well? What did what were they doing that actually gave Georgia problems? Um, it's hard to say. I mean, Jaden Daniels was just uh, he was just completing passes, uh, converting third downs. They just they put. A, 
they put together two good drives and, and uh Keyshawn Butte's first touchdown, I mean, it was just awful tackling. I mean, it was just like a twenty yard reception that he turned into like a fifty yard touchdown, making three or four guys miss. But um so LSU played well in the first half, but for Georgia to block the field goal, take it back for a touchdown, and then just the fluky interception that bounced off the LSU receiver's helmet, uh, and then Georgia was able to pick it off and then it's like as an LSU fan, you felt like you probably played well, and one play into the second quarter, you're down 21-7, and it's like it, it's hard to see. And I think they went up 35-7, and because I don't know if you saw, LSU broke the record for passing yards in an, S, an SEC championship in this game. So most mm. passing yards ever in an SEC championship. Nussmeyer came in because that's Georgia. That's Georgia's kryptonite is the backup <laughs> quarterback coming in. He actually uh, made some plays in this one, but. Before or when Georgia's up 35-7, uh, LSU had 160 total yards. After that point, they had almost 400 total yards. So it's hard to call the entire second half of the game garbage time, but Georgia was up 35-10 at half. So they pretty much uh, pretty much took care of business. They are the seventh team. I actually want to say what fifth team in SEC championship game history to score 50 points. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a big time, big time performance. Stetson Bennett. I actually said this, uh, internally in our family coming mm-hmm. to this game. If this guy throws four touchdown passes, he's going to the Heisman ceremony because we talked about, uh, Seth Emerson and, and I also looked up the, the advanced stats of how many guys he had that been like 20 yard receptions, the guys have been tackled inside the two and stuff. Like if you if you add it on like four or five touchdowns, I think he's I think he's a lock to win the Heisman, honestly. If he's got like 25 touchdowns, just the whole storyline and the formula like we always talk about with the Heisman, like he would fit it. But he did have four touchdowns in this game to give him 20 on the season. I feel like 20 is a nice that's a nice number. 20 rushing or 20 passing, seven rushing on the year. I think that may have done it. Got him to to the uh, to the Heisman ceremony, but I also wanted to make this point. Stetson has played five five teams uh, this year that are currently ranked in the top twenty five. In those five games, he's got thirteen passing touchdowns, two picks, four rushing touchdowns, and completing seventy three percent of his passes. So. Basically the exact opposite of what C.J. Stroud has been this year. Like this guy, he's got 13 of his of his 20 passing touchdowns on the season in these five games against the best teams George has played all year. So I think I think if if they wanted to to jack to pad his stats and everything against some of the cupcake teams, I think they could have done that. But I think Georgia more than any team in the country just represents the team that needs absolutely zero style points. So. Although you did see in this one, although some some have said this is by the by the card, don't know if that's true or not. But with George had forty eight in this one, and did you see him run the Philly special to uh, go for two and, and make it a make it an even fifty? I did not. I don't know if that was uh, something. This is the first time George has beaten LSU. I don't know if that was something he owed LSU from a few years ago, or mm. if this was uh, I don't know. Just wanted to score fifty. I don't I don't know it. Also, someone said the card was when you're when you're up 25, you go for two to be up 27. I don't know if that's a real thing. It seems like 26 and 27 are basically the same to me, but I don't know. So Georgia went for two, up like 48, whatever it was at that point. Seemed odd, but but yeah, it was. Uh, 
Hmm. Big time win for the Bulldogs. Dropping a 50 spot. It's always it's always a good thing. Uh, Michigan, they another second half blowout. They take care of um, Purdue. This is my upset pick of the week. Brahms undefeated as an unranked team against the top three teams. He goes down here. Um, this was this was close at the half. Um, this was uh, Purdue did what they could to stay in it. Uh, but the the difference was Will Johnson for me, where he was targeted seven times, gave up three receptions, fifteen yards, and two picks. Number. Uh, number two, uh, and then I think Charles Woodson actually tweeted out, like, is that a number two uh, for the Wolverines making all these plays, which is pretty cool, but I think he was the story of this exactly one. exactly what I thought when I saw number two getting picks really? for Michigan, yeah. Woodson was my guy. That was, like, my favorite player ever back in the day. Mm. Mm, Matt Green, for the good folks on YouTube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Some other people in the state of Tennessee might disagree ah, with that year. I know, I know you guys love Peyton, but... Woodson was the man. And then George, George, Champ Bailey was like George's version of Woodson, but uh, but Woodson, was he was just a baller. I think Michigan also deserves credit because Blake Corum announced this week out for the year, just a brutal blow. He would have been in New York, I think, um, had he not blown out his knee. Um, the kind of season he's had has just been unreal. Donovan Edwards with the one arm or one hand. So if just... the injury cost Blake Corr, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Mm-hmm. If, if the injury cost Blake Corum his Heisman invite, it's got to cost Hendon Hooker. His Here's Heisman the difference. Invite, quarterbacks. Right? Quarterbacks always get benefit of the doubt in this thing. Heisman. He's quarterbacks... missed more time than, than mm-hmm. Blake Corum though. Is he not? He's only missed one game. They both have missed one game. Okay. So I don't know. It's, I don't know. I don't, who, how do you decide? I'm they, not saying it's right. Hooker is a definite. Team what I'm one saying, without him. Does that does that hurt his case? It was Vanderbilt. Um, I don't know. I, I was mean, saying. I was saying Michigan. Oh well, Cora. maybe. I don't know. I I don't know. I just think running backs are treated more harshly. <laughs> it's already hard enough yeah. to get a running back in there these days. I just think they they're gonna if it's a tie, they're going to the quarterback. Um, for right or for wrong. Um. But I did think that they deserve a lot of credit for bouncing back the way they did. They ran the ball all over Purdue in the second half in this one and broke this thing open. But Michigan, they're just taking care of business. And they, they took care of business in the second half. They played with their food in the first half against Purdue. But I don't know. I still think they're the second best team in the country this year. And look, they they have answered the bell. They win the Big Ten back-to-back times for the first time since, I think, 03 and 04, um, which is pretty amazing. Um Jim Harbaugh deserves all the credit in the world uh, for what he's been able to do. He also had to replace both coordinators coming in this year. People forget that. Josh Gaddis goes to Miami. Uh, Mike, I think it's Mike McDonald, goes to Baltimore to join his brother as DC for the Ravens. And they just haven't missed a beat. They lose Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson early in the draft. They're fine. I don't know. I think Michigan deserves a lot of credit for the kind of season that they've had and doing what they've done but uh what was your takeaway from this one Matt Green? yeah i thought you may have been just uh crazy like a fox over here uh picking purdue in this one i thought you were crazy to make that pick but it was looking good for the first two quarters but i thought it, i thought you made a, a point i think when we were talking earlier uh some questionable field goals i think in this game mm. uh, for purdue just like it felt like they were moving the ball on Michigan, kind of staying in the game. And like, what are you what are you playing for? <laughs> like, you you have nothing to lose. Like, why mm. are you getting down inside the twenty and kicking field goals? Like, yeah. 
he's going to take touchdowns to beat Michigan. And it felt like there were then two scores um, late in this one, like like 15-point game kick to make it 12. It's just like, what are we doing here? Like, let's we got we to gotta score touchdowns here. But, yeah, Purdue, Purdue hung around. But, yeah, Michigan is just clearly the – the superior team. They just kind of wore them down in this one. So it was a good win. I thought they, I thought Purdue was at least going to cover, but uh, yeah, Michigan pulled away there at the end. Last big game. Uh, Clemson blows out North Carolina. Um, you had, this was your upset of the weekend was UNC. Over There's the an asterisk here, sir. There's oh, here an asterisk. Go. Here we go. If Dabo would have told me he's playing Kate Klubnik, <laughs> I'm not picking North Carolina to win this game. Like, would you not have? No, I'm just I'm just talking shit. But <laughs> they're a completely different team with Cade Clublink than they were with DJ Uyunglele. Like this, if I mean, it's pretty easy to say. Like if they if they make the switch a month ago, like this team's in the. Playoff. We're just the second half of last week. Like if yeah, you don't I mean, go DJ, with one loss, the whole South Carolina game, like that's they probably fair. That yeah, one. with just the one loss. But Notre Dame was that was in November, right? Like if mm. they if all of November, this guy's the starter, like. They, they're, they're well, a playoff hold on. That's team. my question. Do you think if they beat South Carolina based on what we saw this weekend and they blow out UNC the way they do, do you think they get that fourth spot over Ohio State? I think they do. A hundred percent, yeah, because especially you can spin this narrative now that with this guy, our team is a lot better yep. and whatever moving forward. I mean, it is a North Carolina team that just lost the NC State and Georgia Tech back to back. But they're also so a conference not... champ, took care of business. Exactly. They're a one-loss <laughs> conference champ. I think that would have been – what kind of pushed him forward in that. But yeah, I think Dabo definitely deserves some criticism for staying with uh, DJU as long as he did. But yeah, I, I was not expecting this sort of offensive performance. I think club Nick is clearly the guy you're already hearing DJ in the, in the portal, which is hilarious because last night he's or uh, we're taking this on a Sunday night. Like, yeah, last night after the game of like, look, I'm just happy um as long as we win i don't care and then it's like this man will not be at the bowl game <laughs> for the orange bowl this man is already in the portal uh playing quarterback for notre dame next year like what are we doing like none of that matters it's amazing right after it's like notre honestly, dame is that where he's gonna go that's always been the rumor all year is like and drew mm. pines in the portal for notre dame uh their quarterback I figured so. like west coast or something but who knows yeah i, don't I know have no open. insight maybe ucla dtr is gone after this year uh, maybe that's yeah, but also he hasn't been good. Who's dying to get DJU? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I, he might just go to one of the lower level Pac-12 schools, like just to be a guaranteed starter somewhere. A JT Daniels type move. Yeah. Obviously, he wasn't even he didn't even say the starter all year, but that was somewhere that he came in and was just the clear number one guy. Go to Oregon. Bo Nix is gone. I was thinking somewhere like, I don't know, uh, uh, Colorado, or, or maybe they just brought in Dion, but like Arizona or Arizona State or something that just doesn't really have much. Arizona State's a possibility. They don't have quarterback. Arizona's going to go with Jane DeLore again. It's a better so, yeah, than I was just throwing teams out. Well, I just yeah, think it's like yeah. one of those things when people are talking, I'm like, if you remove the five star from his name and you just watch the body of work all season long, you would want no part of the DJU experience. At certain yeah. point, the tape matters. It's true because I don't know what to make of him, to be honest, because I feel like he was started to come around this season and he started to become more of a weapon with his legs. But 
I don't know, maybe just getting him in a better offense. I think a lot of this was Clemson's offense just looked really bad at times. I mean, he did have 22 touchdowns, seven picks on the year, over 500 yards rushing, seven touchdowns on the ground. Like, that's not nothing. He, I feel like part of it's just the five-star billing and just how good he was supposed to be coming in. But I don't know. There's there's plenty of places. Well, I have I a question. I have, another, I have another question for you, uh, Matt Graham. What's that? This is something I was also thinking about with this. In the pre-immediate availability era, pre-portal era, do you think Klubnik is starting week one or week three? Uh, what do you mean? Like, I am convinced the whole year was like, he didn't want one of these guys to leave the program in the middle of the year. And he wanted to have DJU as long as humanly possible. And these coaches are terrified of their quarterbacks just dipping. Like Hank Bachmeyer dipped early on for Boise and you're just like, Oh crap. <laughs> like guys can just leave in the beginning, like in the middle of the year, like talented players. If you get on, like you have to just walk this tightrope with these guys that like they are, they'll play immediately somewhere else. So you're just having to be very careful with how you manage these quarterback rooms and these quarterback controversies that like, I think if DJ had to sit out, if he had to transfer somewhere else, I think he would have pulled the plug way early. I think he pulls the plug immediately on K. See, I wouldn't say that because you think hmm. about it, it's just kind of the benefit of hindsight. Like, they just lost to South Carolina. Like, that shocked everybody. Well, I mean, like, DJU's been bad all year. No, like, that's true. But even with that, like, they still they still were – what, they lose 31-30 to South yeah, Carolina? No, they like, that's they're the very yeah. close to going 11-1 and with him as the starter and – and being in a position to make the playoff and maybe the, the ACC championship still plays out the way it does. And you go with club Nick, mm -hmm. but it's like, there wasn't this necessary. I feel like head coaches are just so hesitant to, to get, to remove the starting quarterback. Like that's, that's the guy you're, you're winning with, you're having success with like, like once you bench the starter, it just opens up a whole thing, and well, yeah, it might Clemson, leave immediately. Is a thing, is what I'm saying. Is he'll leave, you can leave the program immediately, and then you have no I mean, backup. It's and then possible, you're, but I, I just, I think that man, a lot of that depends on the culture you got in your program. Like, I think that's kind of an overrated kind of, kind of fear people have. Like, J well, what do you think is going to happen next year? Right, like Nico's coming in. Nico is going to start at some point next year. Joe Milton, it's just. I, I don't think it's ever happening. I don't think it's Joe Milton should be the closer where Joe Milton comes in in the late fourth and blowouts and just throws 70 yard bombs and is able to do whatever he wants to do. Um, but they're going to give him the starting job for the first couple weeks next year. And Nico's just going to be sitting there and like Nico's going to be better. The fans are going to be like, why, what are we doing? Are we really going to go? No one has ever just given the job. Like, no, what I'm saying is like, they're going to be careful because he doesn't want to lose him to the portal for nothing. Like Joe Milton might just walk if he pulled the job from him. He's not going to sit like he did for hooker last year. He's going to, I don't think you can allow players to have that sort of power, but that's like, what's going to happen. is what I'm saying. And I think that's just, it's going to happen if you allow it to happen. Like you mm. just, every, every, Every team has to have just a good enough culture to where like guys aren't just handed the the job. Every position is earned. Like, well, no, what I'm saying is there's no protection of if the better player like you can just leave in the middle of the year. Like that is just like. You but you're never going to be able to leave. And I mean, you can always leave in the middle of the year. Jalen Hurd left in the middle of the year, right? Like that just but that kind of stuff is just freaky. It just happens. Like you're not going to, you can't just go be playing for Tennessee in week three and then be playing at South Carolina. Well, no, in week you eight. can just sit for the rest of the year. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, you, you can just take sit your ball for the rest of the year, but why would you do that? Like 
that that's Hank not going to do anything. just did it. That's not going to do anything good for you at in terms of your your stock on going to a new place. And I mean, that's just there's going to be that's going to happen sometimes. Like guys have quit the teams, quit teams for years. Like that's I think that's we're going to just see it more and more. Thing. I think we're going to see it more and more. But I think the fact that you can't just be immediately eligible to play somewhere else, I don't think it's going to be some. You no, know, they'll just go work with their quarterback coach, their uh, their private quarterback guru, and just be like, "All right, peace out, rest of the year. I'll be in the portal and I'll see my new team in four months, four months, whatever it is." I mean, yeah, you can do that, it, sure, but I don't, I, I don't see any advantage in doing that. Like, you're you're way better off to be the backup somewhere, and who knows, the starter gets hurt and you get a couple more reps, right. and then you show a team what you can do, and then you get go somewhere else in the off season but you know if you want to quit mid-season that's that's nothing's ever been preventing a player from quitting mid-season i'm just very curious to see how the milton to nico transition goes we haven't seen it these transitions i think are just going to be really really complicated for a lot of these jobs all around the country uh, at the quarterback spot primarily um matt green uh quickly on the group of five we had uh North Texas get blown out uh, against UTSA. UTSA wins the conference USA belt. Uh, Toledo takes care of business uh, against Ohio on uh, in the MAC championship. You get Coastal. Bobcats. Still haven't won it. Still have not won it. Troy takes care of business. The little juggernaut down there in Troy, Alabama, blows out Coastal. That game was never closed. Tulane blows out UCF. Willie Fritz stays around. That probably had a big part in that team being really motivated their coach does not end up getting the georgia deck job so they blow out ucf then the boise fresno there was some weird stuff in this one power turn touchdown that was a that was a surprising uh game but by and large a fun um weekend nonetheless fresno state big win they finished nine and four jeff tedford man uh just rocking and rolling year over year uh for the bulldogs um so good 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 by them matt green we did it Another season in the books, sir. Um, it's been a wild and full oh, ride, if you will. season is far from over. Well, so. the regular season's over. We're now in bowl season. We're in opt-out season. We're in who's playing quarterback for who season. And then we'll have the playoff in, what, two weeks? Semifinals in what? It's in like four weeks. Is it four? It's, yeah, it's Three New weeks? Year's Eve. Oh, I guess I thought it was later in the year than this. Okay, it's the fifth. I thought it was later. I'm already adding up. I think it's because I graduate uh, in the middle of this month and it feels like because i just finished up one of my classes and i'm just right there yeah because we still have a long way to go it's a good one because i'm i'm gonna start a petition <laughs> of bowl season we need to have games still on saturdays mm-hmm. like i know that it's never gonna happen because these tv networks they love it espn wants people just watching their network randomly on a tuesday night and wednesday and thursday on December 27th and watching the Meineke Car Care Bowl on on December 26th and all that random stuff. But it's just so weird when you're playing late in the year and you don't, you're you're playing on like a Wednesday, Friday night or something. New Year's Eve being on a Saturday, I feel like it's going to feel, it's going to feel like a Saturday. It's going to, it's going to be a long day though. Wait until that eight o'clock Georgia, Ohio State after the TCU uh, Michigan at four. It's, it's going to be a long one, but I'm not sure it'll be over by midnight, to be honest, with the way these games lo- last now. Yeah. 
I would have my doubts. I would have my doubts. Um, hope to experience that at some point in the future. That'd be nice. I like to experience uh, a, a Tennessee CFP uh, going into. Well, they're the making it so that everyone gets a trophy now, and everyone gets in the playoffs. So you know, you don't even have to earn getting in the playoff anymore. So I'm sure, wow. I'm sure, I'm sure Tennessee fans will see it soon enough. Nico in the expanded playoff in the first year of it. Who who says no, Nico? Go Ia Maliaba, who will be on campus very soon for the bowl workouts. A lot of big-time talent coming into the University of Tennessee to get acclimated, ready to go to beat the dogs in Neyland next fall. Matt Green, thank you as always, my friend. It has been uh, a pleasure doing another college football season with you. Like you said, we still got the bowl season, coaching moves, transfer portal news to talk about in the coming weeks, but um, this will do it for our regular season uh, pods here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, the full ride here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. So we appreciate you guys uh, following along each and every week. Um, it's been fun, and I know it's uh, our most popular show here on the podcast. So appreciate y'all's support and all that good stuff uh, as we keep this thing moving. So Matt Green, uh, unless you have anything else to add, um, I will talk to you next week. Chase Thomas, that's all I got, sir. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.